Podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Folks, it's hard to believe that we're doing this show 15 years later. Really. We started on the 28th of February, 2006, and we have a couple of special guests joining us. But when we started out, our first two guests were Jim Mosley and Brad Steiger, both of whom are no longer here. So if we were to want to have them back, we would have to engage in some kind of weird paranormal or multidimensional practice. And since we've discussed every kind of subject on the Paracast, I suppose that's always possible. The people I will welcome are some longtime favorites of mine. And together, I've known these people for a total of over 100 mm. years. Yeah, I just heard groaning. No, it was, it was an agreement. <laughs> it sounded like you groaned. I've known this guy over 50 years. No way. Uh, yeah, longer than that. Hmm. That's right, Tim Beckley. You were maybe 13 or 14. And I was yeah. maybe 15 or 16 when we first crossed paths, as it were. And let's not forget my old friend Jerry Clark. Yeah, we were all teenagers and once, and that's when we met. That's when our paths crossed, courtesy of Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer, yeah. Yeah, it was because of Ray Palmer and Richard Shaver that we sit here today and reminisce. Jerry, yeah, why don't you explain how it was that Ray Palmer somehow got us all introduced? Well... I never met Ray Palmer. I saw him one time at a conference, but I didn't speak with him. But he was a big presence in those days, and he was a well-known and controversial editor of science fiction pulps. And then he and Curtis Fuller founded Fate magazine, published the first issue in the spring of 1948. And then Palmer and Fuller split, and Palmer moved up to uh, Door County, Wisconsin, Portage County, I believe it was, yes, and started some of his own pulp magazines, which had small circulations but were influential because there were a lot of people following Palmer, whatever he did in publishing, because he had himself kind of a fan club. Anyway, he started Flying Saucers magazine, and there was a section in every issue called Saucer Club News. And in those days, there were a lot of UFO groups, and some of them were teenage groups. I don't think teenage groups exist anymore, but they were active and vital in those days. And the Saucer Club would write into Ray Palmer and explain who they were and what they did and what they published. And all of us were reading Saucer Club news, and we were just desperate for other people to talk flying saucers with, particularly people our age. So anyway, that's how we got in touch through Saucer Club News in Palmer's Flying Saucer magazine. It's funny here, guys, that we made lifelong friends courtesy of Ray Palmer and the things that he did. And that was certainly something that was pretty much unique in the UFO field, that here was a central publication for a while available on national newsstands where young people can get connected. And we don't have anything like that. Of course, nowadays we have... Facebook and Twitter. It's just not the same thing, partly because nowadays, forgetting the pandemic and the interactions, we communicate online. We don't actually see each other in person as real people anymore. We're pretending to be something else. Here we sit 
uh, talking on uh, Skype and on the uh, telephone. And uh, in the old days, we used to collect our pennies and quarters and put together a conference call. Yeah, there used to be, what, seven or eight of us, I think, around the uh, the country, and we'd sit there and talk for, what, uh, five minutes and get a phone bill for uh, $50 or $50 or something uh, like that, you know? And, uh, Which I guess was we real thought, money then. <laughs> well, it, it surely was, yes. Now you do it uh, for uh, for free, but it, it, it was fun. I mean, it was uh, something to look uh, forward to. I in those days, uh, there were a lot more people that were calling and exchanging information, but also people who were calling and creating all sorts of uh, hoaxes uh, over the uh, telephone, pretending to be uh, people that they weren't and, and so forth. Uh, I kind of look back at that and kind of grin. It did have its place in ufology. Uh, now all the uh, small town hoaxers are gone and we only have the big ones. In those days, too, because there were fewer outlets, you didn't have the competition. So, as I said, Ray Palmer's Flying Saucers magazine was unique by itself. Nowadays, you have a thousand different groups for this, a yeah. million groups for that, yeah. and you have Twitter. And it's really difficult to get a large following or reach a cross-section of people because we're so compartmentalized. Ray had a pretty big circulation for that uh, magazine. He was putting out at one time about 35000 And to think that um, uh, he was selling it on a newsstand, I think, for 35 cents or something like that, which means he was pr- probably taking in a dime a copy or something like that. you know. But I had his whole mailing list at, at one point after uh, he, he sold it to, to me, uh, I guess just before he... Uh, passed away, and I, I got a tremendous uh, response. It's the only mailing list that I ever got, like twelve percent response uh, to, you know, for selling books and magazines and things along that line. And then I even had my own UFO review, which was kind of the closest to that, because we were printing thirty thousand copies and sending it out. We didn't have a Saucer Club news, but we did have a, a personals uh, column where you could uh, hook up with other uh, individuals. You know, we print little small photographs and, and things like that. So we were, we were getting a pretty good response in those days. Uh, and, and then, you know, we would have the readers, like we did the UFO Universe magazine, which was uh, read all over the world. But the actual number of people who would correspond or write in seemed to shrink, uh, uh, really. And uh, you, you know what's happened today? I mean, there, there are people that are having reports and sightings and all but like you said, Gene, it's all in a compartment. If uh, I write about men in black, uh, if you have a men in black experience, you write to me. If you have uh, an airplane, uh, you know, or you're a pilot or something and you have a sighting, you go to get in touch with the Center for uh, UFO Studies or something. You know, so you have, all the, you have all these reports, maybe more than ever, but they're, they're being spread out. So you have to wait around till it's your, your turn, sort of. Well, I know that MUFON has tried or pretended to be this central clearinghouse, but of course it's been besieged by scandal in recent years, and its membership really isn't that big. What is it now? 4,000 people, maybe, I'm guessing, around I the think, world. That's I nothing. Think it's quite, I don't think it's quite uh, that uh, large. I, I did try advertising in there uh, recently, which I thought would be a good market for the type of literature that I, ha- uh, I have. And I get very little uh, response, to be uh, honest with you. There really is no place to advertise anymore. I mean, 
at one point, uh, when I was, uh, I'm still doing two or three uh, books a month, and most of the sales come through uh, Amazon. But at one point, you know what my biggest market was? The Weekly World News. I would place a, <laughs> I, I would, I would place a full page ad in there, and I would get anywhere from 250 to 500 orders for whatever I was advertising. Today, if you advertise somewhere, you get five to 15 orders. Well, everything's gone online. You know, the, when you were talking about hoaxes, of course, you know, we, we still have the little hoaxes, but they're all these stupid little hoaxes that go online and on YouTube by that are, you know, somebody saw a UFO, you go and you check it out and they use it just as attention getters to get the hits. Yeah. Yeah, well, also, too, you know, I was thinking about that before. In the old days, we could check out a UFO sighting because they were all printed in, in newspapers. And there was the uh, the name of the uh, the witnesses and the town that they lived in. So uh, if you wanted to do some research or you were interested in what they had seen, you could call them on the phone. But if it's on YouTube, it's all kind of anonymous. It's, uh, you know, it's the photograph was taken by, hey, bud. Or something. I mean, you, you have <laughs> yeah. even even if it is legitimate, there's no, no real way of tracking it down without spending hours doing it. You know, I mean, it, let's it, break it here. Guys, guys, let's break it here. We've got more to come. We've got Tim Beckley, the one, the only. Yay. Yay. And Jerome Clark, unique. And Gene Steinberg, unique in his own mind. And Jay Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The stress levels of Americans may be at an all-time high. From education to business to basic needs to politics, the 2020 pandemic-related stressors are pushing many of us to near breaking point. That's why you should consider the stress and pain-relieving products from sunny-bay.com. Like our lavender neck wraps and pads infused with premium Washington lavender buds. They relieve tension and relax with a soothing scent of lavender. And lifestyle expert Jennifer Bonner recommends products from Sunny Bay. Sunny Bay's hands-free neck wrap should be your go-to pain relief solution. Give gifts to family and friends that relieve stress and pain. Give love and care by giving the best. Give pillows, neck wraps, and body wraps from sunny-bay.com, a Biomed DB design company. Just click sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com.
Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare, our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. That, ladies and gentlemen, was my requisite self-defacing or self-effacing, but I'm also defacing myself. Modest comment about myself, because this way I don't pretend to be superior to anybody else. These days, Jerry Clark, are there any ways that you keep involved? Because you're not a big online person. So how do you find out what's going on in the field? Yeah, I'm uh, not really much involved in online ufology. I'm on several lists of people who are historically inclined and so I just find, found my niche, you know, late in my career as a serious historian of the subject. And so I'm as likely to be, more likely to be involved with things that happened a long time ago than things that are going on now. That current ufology is something that I'm only uh, passingly monitoring. But mostly I'm just interested in, uh, you know, what happened. Um, I'm editing a book not written by me, but by some other prominent ufologists on the history of the subject. And um, I try to keep up on Fortean stuff. I, I, that stuff is always interesting to me, but in, late in life I found things that I can do with it intellectually. And it kind of opens me up to, under, to get a better understanding of anomalies and how they work and what their significance is. So that, that's what I'm doing. I'm 
of all the things out there, the things that, the thing that continues to interest me the most is the airship era, which can just fascinates me, and I'm convinced that the period in the late 19th century when people were seeing these mysterious dirigible-like objects is one of the strangest anomalies of them all. It's almost mind-bending, and I have this idea that if you could break your way into the secrets of the airships, you might have a, a tremendous perspective on, on a lot of other things that don't seem immediately connected to them. Jerome, what do you think of Bosley's uh, work that alludes to the possibility that there were actually airships being made by some sort of a secret society back in the day? Do you, What do you think of Walter? We had him on recently, and I find him a really interesting guest, but but I'm not sure you know how much how, how seriously we should take it. What, what's your position as a historian on that? Yeah, I, I don't take that sort of thing seriously at all. It's kind of a reductionist approach. The uh, airships were very very strange, and I'm not even sure that they're often seen as like early UFOs. But I'm not even sure they're related particularly to UFOs. I think that this is some anomaly that we're putting in the wrong category. Can you elaborate on that a bit? I find this intriguing where you know, you're saying that the Fortean side of things has opened up some possibilities that you can look at the subject uh, through a different sort of an intellectual lens. What, what do you mean by that? Well, an old, old friend of mine, Bob Rickard in London, who founded Fortean Times and is still associated with him. Bob is a dear friend of many, many years. He reviewed my UFO encyclopedia, and he said that you, you read this book and you're a Fortean, you'll recognize that Clark is more of a Fortean than a ufologist. And being a Fortean, I, I didn't really understand this when I read Fort when I was 12 years old, but I've continued nonstop to think about what Ford was dealing with. One thing that is you grow older and become more intellectually mature and more widely read, not just in anomalies literature, but just in a lot of different things that interest me, you begin to realize that, that reality is really kind of nebulous and it's, it's fluid and this is something that you encounter if you pay close enough attention to even in your daily life the things happen they're not particularly interesting they're just odd but you immediately rationalize them away even if on some level you understand that your rationalization isn't really working it doesn't really but since what happened to you was so inconsequential to your larger life you don't spent a lot of time thinking about it. But it happens. And it's like everything from, you know, precognitive dreams to all kinds of small things that that really don't make sense. Can you give us an example of one of your own experiences like that? Well, I I wrote written in one of my books about one of them that happened about twenty years ago. I was working on a book and in those days I rented a little place where I did my writing and then I would come home where I live with my wife um, you know in the evenings and in those days 20 years ago I had enough energy to write late into the evening and so one night about 10.30 it was a summer night 
I came home and I parked the car in front of the house and um, there was something sitting on the front steps and I couldn't really see it because it was dark and the shadows were, you know, kind of covering much of it. But it looked like, you know, I first thought it was our dog, but our dog would never have been on the, in the, on the front steps because she had a way of wandering around. So we fenced in our backyard. So after, this is my escalation of hypotheses. I think, okay, well, that's not Misha because that couldn't be Misha. But what is it? And it was large. It was large. It looked like a large quadruped. I thought, well, if I walk, it was later on. I figured out it was 15 feet, and uh, between me and it, and so I walked toward these, this animal. I wasn't afraid of it. I was just puzzled. I thought, I've got to figure out what this is. If I walk fast enough, maybe I can get there before it runs away. So about it almost immediately began running away through the front, through the southwesterly direction through our front yard, and it disappeared. In front of my eyes, and I never got well, like you mean. You mean like uh, so? It didn't it vanished. Just, like yeah, not just going through like a hedge. No, or something, not just but... going out of sight. I mean, running so you can't see it anymore. No, okay. it vanished. But, <laughs> All right, but I, my own mindset just amazed me in retrospect. That I thought, well, I wonder what kind of animal that is. I've got to figure that out. Instead of thinking, hey, this thing just disappeared right in front of my eyes. I That's just, so odd. Was, you hear anyway, this from be, so many people. Yeah, go ahead. Continue. Yeah. Anyway, it happened exactly that way two more times that summer in a period wow. of about three weeks and the last time my wife was with me. And, um, and anyway, later on when I finally would permit myself to accept that I had seen something extraordinary. I first of all I had to think of my own strange mental reaction, and then I had to figure out, you know, what is this about? This is completely meaningless. This doesn't portend anything. It doesn't do anything. I don't know anything from it except about myself and my own unexpected you know, irrational skepticism when encountered with it, when encountering a genuine anomaly. We have Jerome Clark and Tim Beckley with Gina Randall. This is our 15th anniversary episode. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. 
I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The Food and Drug Administration has granted an emergency use authorization to Johnson & Johnson's one-shot COVID vaccine, adding another vaccine to the efforts to fight the coronavirus. The federal government expects to be able to distribute 4 million doses next week, though supplies will be limited for a time. Dr. Esther Chu is a professor of emergency medicine at the Oregon Health and Science University and tells CNN that the convenience of a one-dose vaccine is a big benefit. So it doesn't need to be stored at these ultra-cold temperatures. It is a single dose. Um, it's been such a challenge to get even a single dose to many people. Signing up for a second one, keeping track of that, getting transportation is just a huge barrier for many Americans. And then, of course, in harder-to-reach places, uh, including rural America, it's just been a huge logistical challenge with the mRNA vaccine. So Johnson & Johnson provides a really important tool in our arsenal. This is USA Radio News. President Biden is defending his decision to launch airstrikes in Syria as part of the country's right to self-defense, even as some in his own party question his authority to do so. Biden told Congress Saturday in a letter that he'd ordered the strikes to defend U.S. personnel and allies in the area in response to an attack on Erbil International Airport two weeks ago. Congressman Brad Sherman agrees with the president over the legality of his move. The California Democrat tells Fox News that the strikes were the appropriate response. I think the vast majority of our caucus supports what President Biden did. First, as a legal matter, we did authorize the use of force in Iraq. I was there for that vote. Many were not. And uh, that authorization allows us, of course, to protect our forces. When you under-respond to an attack, when you fail to respond, you invite another attack. When we failed to sanction Russia for what it did to our elections, we ended up, by under-responding, with them targeting our soldiers in Afghanistan and putting bounties on their heads. This is USA Radio News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. When we broke, Jerry Clark was telling us about a personal experience that is really, really fascinating. Jerry, let's hear more. Well, what I did before I could accept, before it really, I could really accept that I had seen something that was not part of consensus reality. I spent an inordinate amount of time 
going through books on wildlife and then checking websites that dealt with the kinds of wild animals or even unusual domestic animals that I could likely encounter in a small town in Minnesota and couldn't find anything, you know, and nothing looked like what I saw. But it was as if this thing, there was no question it was there, but you could never really get a good look at it. It reminds me of, I would call it like a shadow creature almost. You hear this, people talk about shadow people and doing the same thing. Very similar, just you don't get a good look at them. They're dark, they're in the shadows. They move quickly and then they just vanish out of sight. But this was more like some kind of an animal. Yeah, this was like, I, I thought of it as a phantom quadruped was the way I would describe it. And then later on, when I got around to writing about it, I couldn't think of any other category to put it into than the you know the black dog tradition. So I thought, well, okay, I saw a black dog because my dad had encountered a black dog in 1924 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. He had no idea of this folk tradition. When he told me the story, I said, oh, yeah, Dad, you saw a black dog. And so that's how I decided finally to categorize that. But what you say is very interesting to me. You may, you're, you may well be right. Shadow entity, anyway. Maybe that's what the black dogs are, but they're just more uh, materialized or visible or sharper or something. Maybe they're not entirely real either. Tim, how about you? Like, what what do you make of this? And what kind of personal experiences have you had that that fit into Jerome's? I've got a whole different uh, ball game here. In fact, the subject that interests me probably more or as much as UFOs these days is my personal synchronicities. Now, I'm not just talking about thinking of somebody and they call the next day on the phone. I uh, uh, did a book, uh, I think it's been out for a couple of years now. It's uh, The Matrix Control System of Philip K. Dick and the Paranormal Synchronicities of Tim Beckley. This stuff is continuous and it is wild. Let me tell you a couple of incidents uh, of this. Now, like you say, though, these synchronicities, even though they're wild and, and weird, and some people think that they uh, actually may be some sort of synchronicity uh, control uh, board. There was a fellow by the name of John C. Lilly who wrote a, a book called The Eye of the Cyclone. He was the first individual who claimed that he was able to communicate with dolphins. Maybe you remember that. Uh, also uh, with the aliens while taking uh, ketamine which is a very powerful animal, a tranquilizer, which I was not under the influence of, I, I guarantee you this. So um, let me tell you a couple of these uh, uh, synchronicity uh, uh, stories. I was uh, in San Francisco. In fact, I was speaking at the um, Congress of Scientific Ufologists, which we were all members of. And that particular year, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but uh, Dale Reddick was in charge of the organizational uh, meetings, the uh, public affair, which uh, I think attracted, it seemed to me it, it attracted a pretty good crowd from what I can remember, four or five hundred uh, people in a hotel. There was even a balcony. Uh, and I was, uh, I think, speaking on sa- uh, Saturday night, probably. And, uh, okay, so uh, I was due to leave town on, on Sunday on a, a rather a late to flight to Newark, like it may be five or six o'clock, where normally uh, a person would leave because of the time difference and all, maybe around uh, a noon or something. So we had some time to kill, 
And uh, since I had never been to San Francisco before, uh, Dale and his wife, uh, along with a couple of other uh, individuals uh, from the group, decided we should all have brunch together. Well, we picked this place at total random. None of us had ever been there before. Like I say, I had never even been in San Francisco, which is a town of uh, roughly, I think, of about a million uh, uh, people live in and around San Francisco. Okay, so we sat down, and of course, it's, it's Sunday and it's brunch. I want to have a Bloody Mary. And, and we're just uh, chatting pretty, uh, pretty much uh, idly. I mean, we didn't have a particular conversation uh, uh, going. San Francisco metro area's population is 4,729,000. Go ahead, Oh, please. my goodness. Well, that, that's, uh, that, that even makes this more impressive. Okay. So we're, we're sitting around just uh, uh, chatting. And I, I happen to mention, well, geez, you know, here I am in town. And I do know uh, some uh, people who have moved from uh, New York City to, to the San Francisco uh, Bay uh, Area, and maybe I should have uh, spent some time trying to contact them and, and inviting them to uh, the, uh, the conference. Now, one of the individuals that I mentioned was a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Alan Vaughn. Alan Vaughn was a, a very recognizable uh, psychic on the East Coast. In fact, he used to lecture at our New York School of Occult Arts and Sciences, and he was pretty uh, uh, prominent. And he, uh, I think, worked maybe with Stanley uh, Krippner and some of the people, and he had a pretty good uh, hit uh, record. Uh, okay, so he had moved to uh, San Francisco to become the editor of Psychic Magazine. Now, in those days, there was a, a proliferation of occult publications on the newsstand. Besides Faith, there was Exploring the Unknown and Ray Palmer's uh, Mystic. And then uh, there was uh, Eileen Garrett's uh, Tomorrow. And then there was this big, glossy magazine called Psychic, which was more aimed at the serious uh, parapsychologist uh, than uh, the average faith reader, let's say. Okay, so I'm talking about uh, Alan Vaughn. I should have maybe gotten in contact with him. Two minutes later, the door to this restaurant that none of us had ever been in before swings open, and a gentleman walks in uh, with, a, with a dog on a leash. And I look at him, and I say to myself, that looks like Alan Vaughn. So I motion the guy over, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he recognizes me, and he sits down, and, and we have a laugh about the fact that here he had never been in this restaurant either. He wanted to stop in and have a beer because it was a, a lunchtime and uh, you know brunch time, and so he just picked his place at random and uh, and and popped in, you know. And um, okay, so we have our little chat and we laugh about this. And I said, Alan, by the way, outside of working for Psychic Magazine, what are you doing these days? And he said, Well, you know, I'm working on a book on uh, synchronicity and coincidence, so I guess this will have to be in there. And sure enough, if you can find this little paperback which sold for uh, uh, fifty cents. I think it was published by Popular Publications. I believe it's case number 37 in there, which he describes what I just did. Now, I have dozens and dozens and dozens of stories uh, like that. One more, and then we'll go on to something else. I had uh, been in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, I used to go there at least maybe once or twice a year. I got a lot of buddies uh, there. That was kind of my uh, UFO home away from home. Uh, there's a, a gentleman that lives uh, down there by the name of Alan Benz. Alan Benz was the librarian for the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, otherwise known as APRO, 
run by Jim and Carl Lorenzen. We all know about the uh, organization. They were the uh, first to uh, take uh, seriously the humanoid reports where NICAP, which was the other group at the time, was pretty much just into reports by pilots and astronomers and scientists and people of uh, what they would consider high uh, credibility. Tim, we're going to break in a moment, so we'll let you continue this story. But just to mention briefly, I've had one or two encounters with the Lorenzens. Jim Lorenzen was a pussycat. Carl Lorenzen, if you got on her bad side, even for reasons that had nothing to do with any reality or anything that would cause somebody to be upset, would become upset. Although, the, as I agree with you, that they would look into things like humanoid cases, whereas yep. NICAP didn't feel it was politically correct. Yeah. We're going to have more to come with Jerry, Gene, Randall, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. 
I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the gold stocks boom in the U.S. markets. More stimulus and higher inflation could potentially drive gold prices to record highs in 2021. And with gold exploration stocks poised to skyrocket in the coming months, you have an opportunity to position your trades with red-hot gold exploration stock opportunities. Text the word GOLD to 48542. Get front row access to market intelligence when you text the word GOLD to 48542 and to set your investment research strategy to hyper-growth mode with your free subscription to the Gold Market Research Report. Text GOLD to 48542 and have this red-hot intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. If you're interested in our hit list of the most promising gold exploration stocks, then text the word GOLD to 48542. And don't get left behind in 2021. Text GOLD to 48542. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. Jerome Clark, Tim Beckley, J. Randall Murphy, Gene Steinberg, 15th anniversary show. I'm talking to people here I've known together for over 100 years, and that's since yesterday. Tim Beckley, go ahead, please. Okay. Oh, uh, in fact, after I finish the story, I'll tell you a little funny APRO uh, incident. Okay, so I'm there, and I'm in, in Tucson. I'm interviewing uh, Alan Benz, who's with uh, APRO, and he's telling me how he was corresponding with the people from, I think it was Paramount Films, uh, the a company that was doing uh, cl- uh, Close Encounters. And uh, originally, they had gotten in touch with uh, APRO, and uh, I guess the Lorenzans didn't want to fool with it or didn't know who Steven Spielberg was. Maybe not too many people did at that time. So they gave the job to Alan Benz, the librarian, of of sending over some material that might be useful in the making of the movie. Okay, so we spend a couple of hours uh, discussing his background as librarian of APRO. And then we uh, bid each other farewell. And I get into, um, uh, I'm, I'm traveling with my friend Sharla. Uh, who is my photographer in in Tucson? She's taken hundreds of pictures of me, and and, and is uh, you know kind of a fan, and, and we're friends. And so we decide, without telling anybody, we are going to drive down to Sedona. Sedona, if uh, uh, your listeners don't know about it, and I'm sure that they do, is this kind of cliquish, uh, artsy community up in the uh, Red Rock uh, uh, Mountains. Very beautiful area very scenic. It's got some uh, places that people go. This was before Vortexes uh, in, in town, which draw people, and they have UFO sightings, and they meditate, and they uh, chant with the crystals, and so forth. Okay, so we go there without telling anybody, and our first stop in town 
is at a place called uh, the uh, Cafe. I can't even say it at the moment, but it, it's this place, uh, the coffee pot. I'm sorry. The coffee pot where everybody stops to have a, a coffee and omelets. They have 103 kind of omelets on the menu. You have a wide variety there. So again, it's it, it's about brunch time on, on Sunday, and we're sitting there and we're uh, chatting, uh, just a uh, conversa- conversation about what's going on in Sedona and how it's supposed to attract UFO-minded people and so forth. Uh, we finish our lunch, and we go into the parking lot. And uh, the uh, cars are parked diagonally, you know, like catty, kind of catty corner where sideways or whatever you call it, right? It's not parallel parking. Uh, and um, uh, we go to get into the car, and this vehicle that's right next to us is kind of sticking out a little bit further than uh, it should be. And we happen to notice the license plate on the car. The license plate says APRO. Now, I'm not making this up. In fact, there is a photograph I've used of it many, many times in my uh, uh, book. It's in the Synchronicity uh, a book. Uh, there's no reason for that. Even if somebody knew that we were going to Sedona, which nobody knew, there's no reason for that car to be there. The parking lot was full. Even if it was some sort of hoax or a setup, they would have had to park on the other side of the lot. This was right next to us. And, you know, I asked, uh, I did call Alan Benz later on, and I asked him, I said, is there anybody still around from the organization? He said, absolutely not. Is uh, uh, anyone in the family, the Lorenzen family, interested in the subject? Absolutely not. They didn't like it, uh, the subject uh, at all. I have 450 pages of this type of synchronicity in there. There is something going on, uh, well, Philip K. Dick, of course, a very famous uh, science fiction writer, he believed that we were living in a computer simulation, which is kind of weird because he didn't even own a computer. So how he would know that, I don't know. But he once gave a talk uh, at a press conference in France. He was invited over to talk about uh, his science fiction uh, books. And he's giving this talk at a press conference talking about how we might live in a computer simulation and so forth and so on. And the people look, uh, in the audience are looking at him like he is absolutely a wild, man, a wild man that has gone out of his mind. To be frank about it, some people thought Philip K. Dick was a wild man who was out of his mind. It's not an unusual <laughs> he was, he, impression. He was, he was one of the most creative geniuses. Science fiction people, as, as you all realize, hate UFOs. They think that uh, you know uh, anybody who believes in them is just, uh, you know, off their uh, sensibility. Why uh, is that? I, I do, you know, I, I was so surprised well, when I first encountered yeah. that. It, it, it's yeah. just like, what? You guys are so, you've got the imagination for it. We we know how this stuff works. Science fiction becomes science fact. Why are you getting on, on my case? Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe it puts them out of business because the stories in ufology are much more incredible and interesting than anything that Arthur C. Clarke or certainly Isaac Asimov could write about. Have you, you know, seen uh, the uh, Adjustment Bureau? That uh, was based on a, a story called The Adjustment Team by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, uh, with Matt Damon, Emily yeah, well, Blunt. Of course, t- of course, Total Recall uh, as well. Is a, um, right. Uh, based on uh, and well, Bl- Blade, Blade Runner. 
Well, this, I mean, th- this film, this particular film just reminds me so much of what you're saying because he plays the part of a congressman who discovers that he, that what appears to be chance events in his life are controlled by a mysterious, powerful group. And, and this kind of sort of alludes to your matrix control system. Yeah, so that's correct. Yeah, really interesting stuff. I, I thought well, I heard you, know, you uh, there. There's a couple of possibilities here. Either somebody is, perhaps we are living in a computer simulation. There are even some scientists and physicists now who think that that's not beyond the realm of a possibility. Uh, So if we are living in a a computer simulation, it could be that somebody is controlling this, which I find hard to believe because who has the time to spend with my (laughs) uh, crazy ass? uh, No, these seem to be random they don't have any particular meaning, although you can have a, a, a laugh uh, at, uh, at them. Uh, or it could be a computer that was set up here on Earth. Uh, well, John Keel talks about the, um, uh, the Eighth Tower. That there well, are don't get, don't get me wrong. I actually think yeah. the whole Matrix thing is actually really quite a possibility. I'm, I, I, when I chuckle like that, it's because uh. I'm seeing the I- irony in what could very well be the reality of it. I thought you, I heard you uh, wanting to chime in there a minute ago, Jerome. Did you have something you wanted to add there? Yeah, please call me Jerry, by the way. Okay. Because every, every, that's what everybody calls me. And I, I'm not crazy about my formal first name, although I'm, it is on many books by now. Anyway, yeah, but I was a good going name, to suggest, but I'll, I'll certainly do that. Okay, Jerry, go ahead. Um, what, uh, getting back to the science fiction readers and uh, UFOs, I think there's an explanation for why there is this hostility toward UFOs and other anomalies by hardcore science fiction fans. And I think that it's kind of a kind of a holdover from the late 1940s. Now, science fiction is so much a part of the culture that we live in that we don't even think about this. But if you know the history of this field of, of science fiction, in the 19, before about the 1960s, sometime maybe by the Things had changed by the latter 1960s. But before then, science fiction was really a fringe pursuit. And it was a fringe literature. And it wasn't taken seriously. It had no respect. And um, people who read it were mostly, you know, thought of as teenage boys. And nobody who wrote the, the science fiction really had any literary acclaim. It's just an object of this strange cult of people who read cheap pulp magazine. Oh, well, so does, really, would that were, include like H.G. Wells, and, or are we going no, back no. further? This is the, the science. I'm talking about the pulp culture of science fiction, mm. which began in the 1920s and burned out by the early 1950s. But it was like a pulp literature. You'd find it on a newsstand next to a pulp western magazine, a pulp and detective and, 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 inc- and included Ray Palmer. Yes. Included Ray Palmer, who was kind of, he was certainly, he was, he, he was resented in many ways by the hardcore science fiction people who wanted to make the genre respectable. But Ray didn't care about that. Ray just kind of further damaged the reputation by publishing these 
pulpy space opera stories with bug-eyed monsters and things like that, and, and Richard Shaver. We're going to break in a moment, but parenthetically, the kind of sci-fi we get today, like Star Trek, in large part, descends from the space opera, certainly. And Absolutely. So it, it, the influence is interesting. I want to hear more about what you have to say, Jerry and Gene and Tim and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Jerry Clark is talking here about what sci-fi was. Of course, the first science fiction magazine was Amazing Stories. Ray Palmer became the editor what, in the late 30s or early 40s. And continued until they, he left and started Fate Magazine with Kurt Fuller. But you were talking here about the mindset of this kind of sci-fi story and how it influenced yeah. our culture. Sci-fi is something given from SF, as it was called in those days. In, in our generation, it was SF. SF was pulp stuff, pulp stories. And there were people who could write, who write, wrote for the pulp magazines, like, for example, Ray Bradbury started out in the pulps. And so everything there wasn't bad, but most stuff was bad. 
So it has a terrible reputation. But people who love the stuff are very defensive about it. And they already knew that they were on the fringes. They resented that. But when flying saucers came along, this was even worse because people who read science fiction were likely to be associated with another fringe crowd, people who saw flying saucers or believed in them. And so science fiction fans would run into people who would say, oh, you're into that little green man stuff. And so it was part of their campaign for respectability that they became so ferociously, almost irrationally, anti-anomaly, anti-UFO. They did not want to be associated with that because they were striving for respectability by the faithful. And they were on the literary fringes. They were really on the fringes of culture. A lot of people who read science fiction were kind of people just sort of outside the mainstream of, of society. But they loved, they loved the... They loved science fiction. They loved SF. They wanted it to be respectable. They wanted to be part of this culture. And so when flying saucers came along, nobody wanted to touch flying saucers in the SF community because they were even more unrespectable than stories about spaceships and bug-eyed monsters, which didn't even pretend to be serious. And so... These people were addressed by their friends and neighbors, I'm sure, as, oh, you're into that little green man stuff, there being no dis discrimination between science fiction and at people's actual reports of, of spaceship-like phenomena. And so to maintain their respectability, they had to disavow what they saw as the competition, which was strange stories, strange sightings that claimed to be true. And they wanted no part of that because if they did, they were already suspect. And if they went over to embrace UFOs, they thought of, they'd be thought of as completely crazy. And that attitude, although it's antiquated now because science fiction is at the center of popular culture, hangs on. And they don't even know why. It's just a tradition within this literary genre and its, its adherence. I had a guy come up to my table. I thought I'd set up a little table at one of the conference sci-fi conferences here in Calgary. And I had a guy come up and he was he was dressed in all Star Trek garb as a Vulcan, right? And, and put on this air of logic and essentially dressed me down right at the table. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? You know, so, so now I, you know, now I guess I kind of get it. So this is completely separate then from the Robertson panel and, and their whole recommendation to ridicule UFO believers and such. No, it's just an old social phenomenon of those who are in and those who are out. And the, you know, the competition for respectability, that's all it is. You know what? I was surprised. I had a, uh, of course, I used to organize uh, conferences in various parts of the country, mainly out west. Uh, and I think it was in um, Colorado Springs. I I'm not 100% sure of the town, but I had people like uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. on the program and uh, different, uh, you know, uh, local uh, people who were speaking on everything from uh, UFOs, uh, contacteeism, and uh, uh, so forth. I thought that I would devote one afternoon to the X-Files, which was uh, uh, very big at the time. And I had a, there was a group in town that had an organization that uh, was pretty much all just uh, X-Files. So they became a ticket uh, a taker, ticket seller for us. And I told them that they could take over 
the afternoon show, put uh, put together a panel, do whatever that they wanted to do with it. I, I thought it would be a, a good uh, crossover because certainly Star, uh, uh, X-Files people would be interested in UFOs and uh, UFO people uh, must be watching uh, X-Files. Well, do you know that when they had that afternoon panel, there were none of our UFO people there there were maybe 40 people that were there to talk about the X-Files and not more than two or three people from the rest of the uh, the group, which would have been maybe 300 in, in number or something. It was just where there was no crossover. Neither one of them were interested in the other subject. So even the X-Files didn't uh, really make a, an impression on the uh, UFO people. Sad oh. to say. And, and kind, of, uh, kind of surprising, Star Trek is kind of the same way. Whenever I have had a program on Exploring the Bazaar, which is my podcast, uh, if I've had a, a, somebody on talking about uh, Star Trek, the ratings and the number of uh, views uh, go down in half. Wow. I mean, I'm a Star Trek fan, a sci-fi yeah. fan, loved yeah. it, loved the, the X-Files, you know, I, I, all the little Easter eggs in there that alluded to real life sightings and stuff like that just made it more interesting for me. I, I guess I must be an anomaly in the, in the field. Uh, of course, then again, I, I'm one of those people who was idealistic enough to try to unite the whole field back in the early nineties with, you know, a group of my own and, and yeah, well, we can, we all know how that went. <laughs> By the way, just to add this to the discussion in search of which covered unexplained mysteries, that TV show, the host was Leonard Nimoy, Mr. That's Spock. Correct. So in that particular case, there was a way that, these interests coalesced. Well, we don't know who was. We don't know if science fiction people were watching the, uh, the in search of necessarily. I, I mean, I, I know, I know what you're, I know what you're, uh, I know what you're saying. And of course, there were sightings. That was a very good program that uh, Henry uh, Winkler was the uh, producer of. I don't know if most people uh, uh, realize that. But I did have. Uh, I remember I, I was going to tell a little apro uh, story, uh, Gene, because you said how. Content, uh, contentious uh, Coral Lorenzen uh, could be. Well, this was back, and again, I don't remember the uh, the year. It would have been the uh, the early seventies, uh, and uh, I was working for uh, Jim uh, uh, Mosley, who had a weekly a UFO uh, group there in New York. I had meetings at one of the Midtown uh, hotels around uh, Times Square. You could rent a room. Uh, that would hold like, you know, 70 or 80 people, folding chairs only, for about $25. Can you imagine what that would cost today? You call up a hotel and they want 2000 bucks for, for a room to have a psychic fair or something. Okay, so I, I was doing, I would help Jim set up the chairs, and I would talk to uh, uh, some of the uh, people who were attending maybe for the first time and uh, ch chatting them up, uh, you know, pretty much. Okay, so there was a, a lady who approached me. And apparently who had approached Jim as well and wanted to put together a lecture because she said she had some very uh, interesting films and slides that she wanted to show to the uh, uh, audience. Uh, she was a, a, a paranormal uh, uh, contactee. I guess I can reveal her name. I was always very impressed by her, Stella Lansing. Uh, Dr. Bethold Eric Schwartz did a uh, uh, several chapters on her uh, in one of his uh, books, I think UFO 
dynamics. She would go out at night. I would call her like a UFO repeater. She would go out at night with her still camera or eight millimeter camera, point it to the sky, uh, roll off some film, come back in, and there'd be all these weird images on there, like clock faces, faces of people that weren't there in the sky, uh, certainly. Okay, so it was interesting, but it didn't appeal to Jim too much. So I had to kind of convince him, well, let the lady speak, because let's see what she has to say. All right, so she gave her program, and I was impressed by it. I don't remember what uh, Jim's uh, feeling uh, uh, was, but uh, it, it went over uh, pretty good. We have Jerry... Tim, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the health stocks boom in the U.S. markets. With the pandemic affecting virtually every aspect of American life, people are ready to get past the crisis and get on with living. We've identified a company that could scale up widespread rapid testing and get our economy back on track sooner rather than later. And we want to introduce you to this groundbreaking company with your free subscription to Avid Stock News Trends. Text the 
word test to 48542 to get info on this undervalued rapid testing technology that can deliver results in as little as 15 minutes. Demand for testing devices could outstrip supply for the foreseeable future. Text the word test to 48542 to get your free subscription to Avid Stock News Trends. Get this red hot intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. Avid Stock News Trends. Text the word test to 48542. Text test to 48542. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Tim Beckley, you were talking about that particular meeting. Would you please kind of wrap it up and we've got into other stuff? Okay, certainly. So uh, APRO had a, a, a rather big a meeting in Baltimore. Yeah, it was in a, a, a building that had a, a restaurant up on top, uh, top that was shaped like a flying saucer, and it, it, it rotated so that you could see the city. Okay, so uh, they, had, they had a meeting there, and uh, Jim was there, and Gray Barker was there, and myself, and they were having a secret meeting that was closed to everybody but the hierarchy of APRO. Well, Jim and Gray decided that they wanted to force their way into the uh, into the meeting to see what was going on. Well, to my way of thinking, it was rather funny because here they thought they were going to be uh, given some uh, new information, vital information that Jim and Coral had put together. It was a lecture by Stella Lansing. So she ended up moving from Saucer News, where she gave her first appearance, to the April meeting where Jim and Gray and myself got kicked out. And it was pretty much the same talk. I don't know. You know, like they weren't missing anything because it had already been presented. Coral, I believe, escorted them out, especially Jim, uh, you know, personally. I am not at all surprised with that particular treatment. I was under the impression, though, this was intended to be a meeting just of APRO members and outsiders were not involved or what? Well, the convention was open to the the public, but this particular meeting uh, was a closed session just for uh, the APRO uh, uh, staff or board members or maybe just members in general. It wasn't open to the uh, uh, the public, except that Jim and uh, Gray and myself, I guess I just decided to tag along, wanted to hear what was being said because they thought it was something of uh, great relevance or importance that they were not supposed to uh, be permitted to hear. I would agree with APRO. That if they're having a meeting just for members only, they have the right to say people who are not members or participants can't be there. I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily either. I mean, even Jim had meetings. Uh, we had meetings on the uh, what the uh, 
the group, you know, the scientific ufologists. Of course, there were no scientists uh, on the group that I can recall. But uh, uh, certainly, uh, we did have closed meetings uh, where Jack Robinson took uh, uh, the minutes and read the proceedings from the uh, following uh, year's uh, convention, which kind of dragged on. And the public was not invited, except for the one time at the... Uh, 1967 convention at the Hotel Commodore. There was a secret meeting where John Keel was giving his first presentation, and it was so secret that it was broadcast on radio station WBAI. (laughs) And of course, you know, it had a very small audience, didn't it? But uh, I I think this is really interesting. It's one, one of the most wonderful things for me about the Paracast is being able to hear the stories from the veterans like yourselves, Gene, of course, included, that it, it takes me back to you know, before my time. And it's like sort of being and witnessing part of the golden age of ufology, which, you know, of course, Jerry, you, you know what that was like. It seems like those were just better days when before it all kind of devolved into what it's become today. Well, I, you're probably talking to the wrong person about that because I pride myself on having no nostalgic genes. <laughs> you, know, you know, it was it was what it was. It was fun sometimes, and you know, I associated with you know growing up, going through your teens and your adolescence, and trying to find your way in the adult world. There's a lot of pain associated with that, and so when I think back on those days. I think of the big picture, which wasn't just talking with Tim Beckley and um, other people about UFOs. It was just part of a whole package of just growing up and trying to figure out how to live in the world, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, to me, it was a, it was just strange because I read Rupelt and Fort at an early impressionable age, and, I, and the next thing I know, I'm w- way older. And I'm still with UFOs. And I made a whole career out of it, as did Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, we, it's we, just we actually, strange. But we actually made a career, and, and Gene, too. I mean, uh, so few people could actually uh, right. say that they made a career. And I have yep. to say, I, I have made a very successful career as a, uh, uh, as a publisher. Uh, we're selling more books than we ever did uh, before. Uh, now, like I mentioned, most of them are sold through um, – uh, Amazon. We still have a few stragglers on our mailing list who are not on the internet, and they will send us in a, a postal money order, uh, you know, through the mail. But they that is few and far uh, between uh, any more. You don't really get to know your customer, uh, you know, your readers like you used to in the old days because it's all anonymous. I mean, uh, you know, if somebody sent me three dollars for a book. Uh, before I knew who you know who they were, it was Henry Gallard or uh, James right. James Whittle was it out of Salt Lake City? I mean uh, Kenneth Larson. I mean you know who the people were uh, that were kind of uh, supporting uh, you, and uh, now you don't really uh, know who they are because even if they give you a darn good review, they do it anonymously. You know, Tim. Tiger Tiger. Well, Tales, wait, wait one second, please on Amazon. They can use whatever name they want or their real name. That's what I'm saying. Sure. But they allegedly, allegedly have to be verified purchasers to make that review. You can't just review something you haven't bought. And Amazon knows what you bought before you post a review. 
So well, in that you know, way, I guess that, it helps that, a bit. I think I think they want to uh, do away with the uh, the reviews uh, myself because you can find somebody. I mean, I have a, a few distractors there who just don't like anything that I, I put together. Not because they've even read the book, just because they don't happen to like uh, me. So they will give it a you know like a one one star. Sure, and but they have to buy the book. They have to be a verified no, purchaser. No, 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 that, no, no. That's not true. But no, it will say. Tim is right. That's say, not true. You don't have to yeah. be a verified purchaser. No, no. But it will say right. if you are a purchaser, it will say verified purchaser next to the review. But there are reviews on there that are not verifiable by uh, anybody. But you can't. You can't. If uh, let's say, for example, that Sean Castile has written three pages of something in my book. It wants to review it. They won't accept the review because the person is associated with the book. It, it's all to me. It's just it's just kind of nonsense. Everything going to stand on its own. And I'm getting tired of getting emails from them asking me to uh, like uh, rate the chewing gum that I just bought or something like that. You know, or the uh, the paper or the uh, the toilet paper or something. You know, they want they they want a, a rating and a review on everything. And that's that's ridiculous. I, just ridiculous. All right, we're going to break in a moment. Jerry, then you can ask on the other side. Just want to cite okay. one example here about the impact of reviews. So I bought a box of masks, 50 masks from Amazon. Obviously, we're still heavily masking in this state. So the company from which I bought it had this note packaged with a box saying, we'll get you another free box if you review it. They didn't say it had to be positive. You review yeah. it. And they will send me a free box. So I got a free box for nothing for reviewing it. And I'll tell you more in a moment. We've got Gene, Tim, Jerry, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The Food and Drug Administration granted an emergency use authorization Saturday to Johnson & Johnson's one-shot COVID vaccine. The federal government expects to be able to distribute 4 million doses next week, though supplies will be limited for a time. The company says it will have 20 million doses produced and delivered by the end of March, with production ramping up to 100 million doses by the end of June. 
Dr. Nahid Bedelia is the medical director of the Special Pathogens Unit at Boston Medical Center, and she tells MSNBC that Johnson & Johnson getting approval means more shots in more arms. I think alone it adds incrementally more doses, right? Partly because one dose of Johnson & Johnson means that you've achieved at least full immunity. You need two doses with the other two, and so 20 million means 20 million more people. Having a third vaccine available is expected to accelerate vaccination efforts that have already administered more than 66 million shots in the U.S. This is USA Radio News. A search is underway in Nigeria for over 300 schoolgirls kidnapped on Friday. Mike Fortier has more from the USA Radio News Florida Bureau. The girls taken in the middle of the night by armed men who overtake a state-run secondary school in northwest Nigeria. No word on who's behind the kidnapping as no one has claimed responsibility, but a Nigerian human rights activist believes the motive is clear. It's about ransom. It's probably this time around we'll be talking about uh, $20 million to get him out. I mean, what could be more lucrative than that? Omiyeli Sawori tells South African TV the government may be complicit, as officials sometimes get a cut of the ransom money. The Daily Beast reports school and security officials had been warned by locals of impending danger, but it's not clear if anything was done. And a second former aide to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has come forward with sexual harassment allegations against him. Charlotte Bennett was an executive assistant and health policy advisor and told the New York Times Cuomo harassed her last spring. Cuomo responded in a statement on Saturday, saying he never meant to act in an inappropriate way. This is USA Radio News. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. It's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I also made a deal, ladies and gentlemen, you know about this because of my tech site, which is now MacRadio.net, where I made a deal with Vizio. If I reviewed one of their TV sets, no indication of content. I can give one star and say it's a piece of garbage. It wasn't. They would send me a real 55-inch TV mid-price line. And they did and I did. I wrote the review. I liked the set, so I said so. I didn't say it was the best set in the universe, but my review was not colored by the fact that I got a product. Of course, you see, that's where people can be corrupted and there may be a feeling on the part of some makers that look if we give you the free tv set you will be in that way influenced to give us a better review but that's that let's continue well well you know along that line i was reviewing movies for hustler magazine and i bring that up because larry flint just uh, passed away and i got uh, fired from the job 
after two years because somebody thought I was taking kickbacks when it came to reviewing the uh, uh, the X-rated movies. Well, I never got any kind of kickback from watching any adult movie. The closest thing I got was a free steak dinner from one of the producers. That's all that was ever offered to me. Uh, so, I swear. so no, no, pay, no payola in the porn business. No. I used to be a product reviewer for Macworld and for CNET and others. And they did have standards there about this is reviewing hardware from Apple or from Dell and software from different companies. The consideration here is, number one, I did could not own stock in a company, even a share or two to keep track of shareholder interest, although the magazine could do that. I couldn't accept any gift from the company, and that would mean taking dinner. I couldn't take dinner from them. I had to be really scrupulous in how I handled myself because if I didn't, I wouldn't get the reviews and I wouldn't make the money. Now, in retrospect, my biggest mistake was not investing in Apple. If I invested, say, $1,000 in Apple in the early 90s, you cannot believe how much money I'd be worth now. Jerry Clark, please tell us what you think about our discussion. Well, I just was listening to Tim with with some interest because uh, he and I, and, and you too, Gene, have a shared history and remember a lot of stuff. And I realized, as Tim was rattling off names of various people from the past, I realized I recognized every single one of those names. And I remembered more about them than I thought I did. And he was talking about Alan Vaughn, who I hadn't thought about in a long time. He was talking about his synchronistic experience with Vaughn. And he, he said that Vaughn had uh, written it up in a book. Was that book's name Patterns of Prophecy? No. It had the coincidences in the cover, on the okay. cover. I, I can't remember the exact title, but uh, you can still buy it for a dollar on eBay or something like that, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, we've all lived a long time, and we have met many, many people and have many, many memories, and um, most of them good, most of the people that... The least I interact with decent people. Yeah, I would say so, too. Yeah, a few exceptions. But uh, most of them, uh, n- not, not bad at all. I mean, even if you didn't, you know, uh, today's a, a world out there with the political uh, the stuff. I mean, you, you can't even sit down at a, and have a hot dog with somebody if the subject doesn't come up and you end up in a just about in a fisticuff, you know. But in the UFO field, well, there were certain exceptions. Uh, I mean, yeah. I can think of a couple of names where... You can't mention, uh, you know, somebody else's name because they'll tell you what a big fraud that is, or the case isn't as good as their case. There is some of that in the uh, in the uh, in the field, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know well, what's really great about the field, though, is that if you look at it from a more objective point of view, and and Jerry, I'm sure you can appreciate this, having written the UFO encyclopedia, is that even the characters that might be less savory make it colorful from a historical yes. perspective. Oh, yeah. I, in fact, love to write about some of the really out-there characters. I really enjoy that stuff, and I know, obviously, Tim does. I I am writing right now an article for uh, Fate Magazine and Phyllis Galdi on the 10 greatest UFO contactees of all time. Uh, Greatest being in quote uh, marks, I might say, and it's uh, somewhat in in, in tongue-in-cheek, because that's my my, uh, style. Phyllis said, well, you know, she didn't think today uh, that the average uh, reader, being a lot younger than (laughs) uh, we all would uh, be, uh, uh, would even know, necessarily know about that part of the UFO history. So 
would I uh, put together an article, which I agreed to to do, and I'm almost uh, uh, finished uh, with it. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, even the, even that, uh, even the the shenanigans of the contactees, it it, it was colorful, and I kind of missed that because I'd rather hear about the shenanigans of the contactees than the uh, the abductions of people, you know, aboard spaceships because that gets kind of monotonous. So, Tim, would you t- give us a hint? Maybe yes. about what's going to be in this article. It's was it fakemag.com is the site, and it's yeah, yeah. Well, really really in, good. It's still it's really good to know that yeah. Fake Magazine is still around. Tell yeah. us, Tim. The the usual. I mean, uh, George Adamski, George Van Tassel, uh, who I put actually a, a bit of uh, the stock and in, in faith in because of the uh, rejuvenation machine, which is a. Uh, uh, a device, whatever you want, the dome in the desert, because it is a remarkable feat of engineering. I, I mean, I, I just think that the the man was onto something, whether it came from the pattern came in his mind from Solganda or whether he was just a genius enough to uh, create it himself uh, is beyond uh, me. But uh, uh, he, I would put him on the, uh, the top of the list. And then we have one of my favorites, Buck Nelson who I always considered the Larry King of the Ozark, because like Larry King, he always wore suspenders. And, of course, now Buck Nelson claimed that he went to, uh, I think, uh, the Mars, the Moon, and Venus, maybe all in one night, which is pretty incredible in itself. And he made friends on Venus with a 600-pound dog by the name of Bo, B-O. When he came back to Earth at his uh, confer- uh, conventions, which were held out, uh, doors in, in the Ozark, he would sell the hair of the Venusian dog. Uh, and he even had a blurred <laughs> photograph of Bo, which looked remarkably <laughs> like his dog. Uh, and uh, and he, was a, he, was a, uh, he, was, he was, of course, uh, uh, silenced by the MIB. He was on his way to, uh, I think, Washington, uh, D.C., and the MIB boarded the bus and took him off or threatened him if he didn't. Uh, go back, you know. I he was he was a colorful uh, uh, character. So, and those days they didn't do DNA tests. Today we know what that dog really was. Yes. Jerry, you were about to chime in there before we proceeded. So go ahead. Yeah, I have a probably a, a, an unusual viewpoint of the contactees. I, I I think that Buck Nelson was a con man who, without much of an imagination, but I think a lot of these people. You know, the Adamskis and the Van Tassels and these really kind of charismatic major figures in the 1950s contactee movement, Orfeo Angelucci. I think these guys were sincere about something. It wasn't always easy to figure out what they were sincere about. But I remember when I was doing research on the encyclopedia, I was going through the NICAP files, and I found this letter that Adamski had written late in his life to Donald Kehoe, which just kind of fries the brain cells just thinking of that kind yeah, of commitment. <laughs> but but uh, Adamski said, and this was not a letter for public consumption, this was a private letter. And it was quite touching. And he said that, he said, he said, I know that you know we're on di- in different places on this business, but he said we're both working for the same end. And I want you to know that, that um, you know, I'm on your side and I'm supporting what you do, and I'm working on my end from, from my perspective. And it was a letter of just remarkable sincerity, 
And there didn't seem to be any reason to write it because he wasn't promoting anything, and he knew that he would get a cold reception from Keogh, who in fact did not acknowledge the letter. We have more to come with Jerry. We got more to come with Jerry, Gene, Randall, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Extendivite has proven time and again, it really works. Here's a testimonial from Amazon.com. I am only 40, but I have put my body through hell working in manufacturing for 20 years. I recently started to notice a buzzing feeling along with a stuttering sensation with my heart. I had a full cardio stress done, which I passed. I decided to try Extendivite after getting the jingle stuck in my head. Halfway through the bottle, I really did notice a difference. After getting home from work, I would just sit in a chair for a few hours feeling like crap, and this stuff reduced that feeling along with heart discomfort to almost nothing. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. 
Attention real estate investors. Do you need cash immediately? If you own one or multiple rental properties, you can use your equity to get cash out fast. The best part is we don't need tax returns or even a good credit score. At America's Loan Source, we are not a bank and we don't have bank rules. We make the decisions to loan you money and there's no limit how much we can give you. Some clients have gotten as much as $500,000 or more within days. Use the money any way you want. If you own one rental property or a hundred and COVID has left you in a cash crunch, we can help you turn your equity into fast cash. Call now for details and close in as little as 10 days and get the cash you need. 800-507-6553. 800-507-6553. That's 800-507-6553. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future. And you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, when you raise that, Jerry, about this letter from Madame C. to NICAP, and as you say, there probably wasn't a response, there was a feeling that some of these contactees had an encounter, an experience of some kind. But it was the kind of experience that maybe wouldn't be taken seriously unless it came out of the mouths of Orthon from Venus or Saturn or something. And that's why, say, Adamski might have glommed on the character Klaatu from Day the Earth Stood Still and met a long-haired version in the desert. That He wrote a book back, what, in the late 40s? About some kind of 49, encounter. 49. Pioneers yeah, for Space. 49. It's a turgid science fiction novel, some of whose elements later show up in his quote-unquote nonfiction. Well, book. now, we, we actually reprinted the uh, book. I paid $900 to buy the book, so the copyright, of course, is public domain, to reprint it. And when I got the book, 16 pages were missing from the book. So we had to find somebody who worked for a library because there was one in the Washington, D.C. Library of Congress, and they borrowed the book, and we copied the 16 missing pages. But we also did a little research on Adamski, and he was into the metaphysical field as far back as 1935, the Los Angeles Times has a uh, an article that they printed in 1935 about how Adamski was starting a commune that was being uh, set up around a replica of the uh, Great Pyramid of uh, Giza. And then from uh, th- that, he started his Royal Order of Tibet, uh, claiming that he had spent his uh, youth in Tibet, which I find very difficult to believe. And, and then uh, things uh, progressed to where he was... He had that supposed experience in the desert uh, city, which was actually a setup to the Ouija board. Most people do right. not realize this because that, that, uh, that's actually Tim. That's actually in my encyclopedia. Oh, oh, I missed that. Okay, uh, and then of course also too the boot prints that Orthon uh, left in the in the sand when uh, George Hunt Williamson took the plaster of Paris cast. If you look at the boot prints, it has a swastika in the middle of the boot print. Well, now, I ask you why. Well, isn't it not an interesting fact that George Hunt Williamson uh, used to work for a a fellow by the name of Pelly, 
who was actually noted, yeah, who was actually a, a notorious uh, American fascist. That's correct. So I wonder how the swastika ended up in the middle of uh, the blueprint that uh, Orthon. Well, uh, some, some of Williamson's book, and I'm something of a student no. of Williamson, are actually thinly veiled anti-Semitic works. One of them is UFOs Confidential. There's also a lot of it in Road in the Sky. He never mentions Jews, but if you know anti-Semitic and conspiratorial literature, you'll recognize where this comes from. Well, you're talking about the international bankers? The international bankers who are in league with this, like, it's been a while, but at this what, sinister group. Yeah, who apparently are the are the Jews of outer space. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of that. That's that's. Yeah. Uh, if you know what to look for, you'll see it. It's interesting oh. how ufology is, has become sort of a nexus for sociopolitical movements. And Nick Redfern, he's done some looking into some of that as well. And and uh, you know, he feels that there's a definite connection there where. We have this theme, a very socialist underlying theme where, you know, anti-capitalist, uh, you know, support nature. Everybody should be working together as sort of one big happy sort of if you didn't use the word communist, you could happy world, you know. Well, isn't it true also that the FBI investigated contactees because of the fear that they might be associated with the communist movement of that era? I don't think there's anything particularly surprising about that because Hoover was investigating just about anybody who yep. uh, opened his eyes or poked his head out of the out of the pond. I mean, if you were any kind of nonconformist, he was really not a good guy who just investigated anybody who, who uh, might have been completely it, harmless but had unusual beliefs. If you if you read, uh, in fact, I have a report here. On uh, George Van Tassel, the uh, the documents that the uh, uh, FBI had on on file, most of it is nonsense. I, yep. I mean, somebody they they would send an agent uh, out to uh, Giant Rock who would sit there and take uh, notes about how they didn't believe in proliferation of atomic weapons and how we should live yeah. in the uh, peace and harmony. And my God, they must have really hated uh, Gabriel Green because he believed in a a cashless society. (laughs) You know, I I mean, so so did Star Trek. Do you remember Star Trek and the Star Trek universe, the Federation, forgetting the Ferengi and everything? In general, there was no money system. Just I remember the situation there in Star Trek for the voyage home where the crew goes back to the 1980s and... A local scientist who's dealing with whales has an Italian dinner with Kirk, and she has to pay for it because in the 23rd century, they didn't have money. But nobody said, oh, my God, Star Trek is communist, or maybe they did. Well, this isn't the 50s anymore. That's why they don't. This was a 50s thing, and a J. Edgar Hoover thing. Of course, that's also McCarthy and all that. There was a communist under every carpet. Under every Joshua tree, there was a communist, no doubt, yeah. And, and certainly a few under Giant Rock. I mean, uh, it's interesting how you guys mention, you know, the cashless society. You started out the, uh, the, pro, the program mentioning real money. And I had just had a brief conversation with someone about that because I'm old enough to remember when they were talking about that and thinking that will be the day it will never happen. 
And I swear now I just I pay for everything with my credit card so I can get the points. I don't think I've paid using actual cash for anything in over a year at least, probably two years. Even even Dunkin' Donuts, you go in and buy a, a cup of coffee for two fifteen, and you you swipe your debit card. I think it's, we're living in science fiction. I often have that feeling. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's it's maybe a little dystopian, and I've heard people, especially with this pandemic that's going around, it it is a lot like some sort of sci-fi dystopian science fiction. A holographic universe is really quite bizarre. They just landed another rover on Mars, and yet there's people on Earth, you know, going around wearing masks and and dying of disease. It's it's really quite bizarre. Yeah, I think the future is just hurtling at us at a growing, accelerating speed. It's really scary, you know. And no matter, it, it doesn't surprise me that there are so many confused and crazy people who vote for, you know, ridiculous, insane candidates who are going to save them from the future. It's really a strange time. It's only going to get stranger. Going back to the beginning of the show as well, uh, I'd you know, just like to get a you know a couple of names in of people we've lost in the field during the time that the show has uh, been out, and that includes, of course, James W. Mosley and Brad Steiger. Now, Brad Steiger was one of the people whose books I I just I read them like candy. Uh, I'm, he's really interesting to read, very engaging author. The the Premiere episode of the Paracast is really a must-listen for anyone who's new to the show. Go back and check it out. Uh, Stanton Friedman, we've lost. Uh, Bud Hopkins, we've lost. John Keel, we've lost. Glenn Dennis, we've lost. Richard Hall. Ted Ted Phillips. Phillips. Yep. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Gentleman and a scholar and a great researcher. Where do you think the field is going in the future, you guys? I think that we're probably not very far from general acceptance of UFOs. You know, I think that we're, we're, we're what we always wanted is starting to happen. And um, I don't think that, that we can pretend that not we, not we you and I, and, you know, because we knew, we knew better when we were young people. But society's general scientists, military intelligence, they know more and more, yeah, these things are here. We've got to deal with this. Whatever it is, and uh, I think that that I I just you know I'm going to go I you know I, I'm not a young man so if the prospect of no longer being on Earth is is you know inevitable, but I will will I I will leave the Earth satisfied that this will be resolved. We have to break, Jerry, but I'm going to ask you more about your hopefulness after all these years after the. Since the 1950s, we've all followed this subject from the days of our mid-teens, whether there will be a resolution in our lifetimes, because they don't have a lot of time left. So let's hope they kind of speed this up. Jerry Clark, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, Tim Beckley, the 15th anniversary episode. You're in. The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625 welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's gene steinberg So, Jerry Clark, tell us, why do you think it's going to be resolved in our lifetimes, UFOs? Well, because of the growing interest in elite circle government science and so on. And, and you know, you see completely straightforward treatments of UFOs in snooty magazines and other media. There's been this kind of... Con- uh, cognitive dissonance on the subject for quite some time, where even people who go in media and knock UFOs, it often turns out they have a private interest. And they're privately quite intrigued, and I think this has been going on for some time. But that kind of tension can't be sustained forever. And I think what we're seeing in our time is a growing acknowledgement. There was this article in Space.com, which is a very respectable website magazine dealing with space flight rocketry and astronomy and so on that several months ago ran this extremely it is rather extraordinary article by Leonard David who's a well-known and respected aerospace journalist that treated UFOs completely respectably as a completely respectable and inevitable subject for scientific inquiry and then outlined all the scientific projects that are now going on to investigate UFOs seriously. I think we all knew this would come at some point, but 
to me, it's a little surprising to come sooner. In other words, I'm still alive, but it is going to happen inevitably. And I think that we're starting to see it happen. Well, even was it, who's it? Michael Shermer was is saying that, uh, and of course he's he's looking at it from the SETI perspective. But he figures that we will detect intelligent civilization uh, within the next few years. And it wasn't that long ago that the breakthrough Listen people, headed by the billionaire Yuri Milner, and you guys have probably all heard about this, detected a signal that they believe is technological in origin coming out of Proxima Centauri. Now, they're trying to verify for sure that it came from Proxima, but it's looking pretty much like it did because there are no satellites that anybody knows about out there in that direction where it came from. Nothing that's out there that anyone knows of, even if it's a secret military one, wouldn't even use that kind of a frequency or signal coming out of Proxima Centauri. Well, I... I pretty cynical about the SETI program. Somebody wrote a paper, a psychologist, a Canadian psychologist wrote a paper some years ago where he speculated that the SETI program was set up because scientists unconsciously had this great kind of sense of tension about their unwillingness to deal with UFOs and the possibility of UFOs may represent. So they started up a whole other program that just kind of deflected the question in a way that did not discomfort them and that allowed them to think about extraterrestrial intelligence without having to worry that they were looking, they were avoiding actual immediate evidence of extraterrestrial visitation. I'm very cynical about SETI. I think that if if you want to find evidence of UFOs in our galactic neighborhood, or not UFOs, but of alien intelligence, the very least you can do is to start looking at UFO reports. Now, I'm not saying that they're extraterrestrial or they're not extraterrestrial, but they're they're an obvious candidate. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Preaching to the choir here, certainly. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more about why they they went that route. And, of course, Carl Sagan was the major SETI proponent. And in his early years, he was very interested in UFOs, but he got slapped down by the scientific establishment. And he decided, well, if I'm going to do this at all and be a scientist – yeah, you know, this this is probably one of the ways that he could do that. And, of course, he was involved in some really excellent scientific missions to investigate other planets. Well, he's also comparable to the 1940s pulp science fiction fans who had to slap down UFOs because it would, they, it would affect their respectability. And Sagan was a guy who was interested in extraterrestrial intelligence and early on interested in UFOs as one avenue of uh, evidence. But then in those days, just being interested in extraterrestrial intelligence, not even UFOs, already put you on shaky ground. So it wasn't hard when the time came for Sagan to disavow UFOs so that he could maintain his interest in aliens and still be respectable. But the, his, his uh, colleague, Frank Drake, who publicly disavowed UFOs, and Drake was the guy who started the SETI program, privately was intrigued by UFOs and actually investigated cases very quietly to the end of his life. So there's a lot of BS about SETI. 
and SETI's rejection of UFOs, and, and further evidence of an underground interest in UFO sightings. Yeah, they, they never they, publicly they, decried them. Yeah, they never investigated UFOs, so what do they know about it? Uh, you know, most of the people who put down the subject have never even picked up a book uh, exactly. on it, you know, or exactly. uh, if they did, they picked up a book by Donald Menzel, and here's the, uh, uh, you know, the explanation. It's all it's all plasma in the sky, pie in the sky and plasma on the ground. Swamp yeah, gas. Yeah, good old swamp gas. Yeah. Yeah. That was Heineck, but Heineck had a big turnaround in his outlook because he went out on the ground investigating and Finally, after talking to so many people in the real world who had seen these things, he he did start to take them seriously. And, of course, we all know uh, founded QFOS, which is uh, still uh, operational to this day. Well, I, I, I was involved with QFOS. It's the only UFO organization I was ever involved with. I edited its magazine, and I was on the board, and I knew Alan Heineck fairly well. And Oh, do tell us more. He's definitely a luminary in... in- well, in my mind, anyway. I mean, we wouldn't even have the, the phrase close encounters if it wasn't for him. Well, Alan was a great guy. He was fun to be around. He was a, he was a fun guy with a great sense of humor. And, of course, he was very bright and interesting to talk with. And, uh, he, you know, he and I would have disagreements. But um, I always respected him. And I, think every, every, I don't think anybody didn't like Alan Hynek. And the UFO experience, which he published in 1972, is still one of the towering books in the literature. Definitely. And a genuine scientist as well. I mean, he, he was a fellow at the Yerkes Observatory. And, uh, you know, he, he did it professionally. He uh, explored the stellar atmospheres, I'm pretty sure. Well, it, he yeah, was, you know, I mean, he, he knew he his science. Of, he was head of the uh, of the observatory, which no longer exists, at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, where I used to live. I, uh, you know, I, he had associations with other observatories, but they were, you know, like he'd be like the visiting astronomer and stuff. But his real gig was with the astron. I don't know. My brain is going blank. I can't remember the name of the uh, the observatory, but he ran that observatory. And um, he was there until he retired. And but and, Al, there and, was a mystical side to Alan too, which sometimes oh, got him Tell in us. trouble when he oh. would make indiscreet public statements, and then the debunkers would jump all over him. But he was. Um, well, what, he what, was what, uh, what was this mystical mystical side? Well, it was um, Rudolf Steiner, Rosicrucianism, and that stuff. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, that's. And, Interesting stuff. Yeah, and uh, and I ne- I never really could see how he could bring them into ufology. Although I believe that there's very strange stuff in ufology, but I've never really encountered anything that's struck a chord with me when I've read occult literature that struck me as useful to ufology. But um, I think that uh, there are some very, very strange things going on in, in UFO evidence, the UFO data, as we all know. We've got more to come with Jerry Clark, Gene Steinberg, Tim Beckley, J. Randall Murphy. This is our spectacular 15th anniversary episode, catching up and also doing an overview of what's happening in the UFO field. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the gold stocks boom in the U.S. markets. More stimulus and higher inflation could potentially drive gold prices to record highs in 2021. And with gold exploration stocks poised to skyrocket in the coming months, you have an opportunity to position your trades with red-hot gold exploration stock opportunities. Text the word GOLD to 48542. Get front row access to market and intelligence when you text the word gold to 48542 and to set your investment research strategy to hyper growth mode with your free subscription to the gold market research report text gold to 48542 and have this red hot intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change if you're interested in our hit list of the most promising gold exploration stocks then text the word gold to 48542 and don't get left behind in 2021 text gold to 48542 Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates this is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates so call right now to learn more 800-670-0946 800-670-0946 call 800-670-0946 800-670-0946 have you ever thought about turning your glock xd family or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine 
it only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech carbine upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Jerry, I assume here that if we get to disclosure or general acceptance, that acceptance would be more about spaceships than anything else? Well, I'm sure that they're investigating UFO reports from the perspective of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. I don't think they're they're going beyond that. It's only those of us who have been immersed in anomalies and weirdness for most of our lives who really understand that there are other possibilities. Time travel now is getting a, 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 a kind of a shot in the arm. But what I wanted to say was that the extraterrestrial hypothesis is a perfectly reasonable way of looking at at least some of the UFO evidence. You know, the, the hardcore evidence, particularly things like radar visuals and CE2s. It's perfectly reasonable to think that those might be somebody else's technology. It's the other stuff, the real high strangeness stuff, that really may not even be part of UFOs as such. Maybe just some mimic phenomenon that, um, you know, is really way beyond the knowledge that we possess, but it's the core of what we experience in our our daily, you know, our quotidian encounters with the unknown. I'm the nuts and bolts guy. I'm the guy that says, okay, all of that weird stuff can be explained if you invoke a certain kind of technology. And and But I'm kind of interested in hearing more, Jerry, from you on, on kind of what you mean by this. Like you've been alluding to something that's sort of greater or above and beyond and, and not simply, you know, technological in, in its origin. Or, or are you saying it is technological, but just so way far and gone that that we can't conceive of how it could possibly work? I think that we talk about the UFO phenomenon, but we're actually dealing with UFO phenomena. There are several different things going on, in my opinion, when we talk about UFOs. There are different kinds of experiences, and they have a surface similarity, but if you look at them very carefully, the surface similarities break down. You see that you're dealing with more than one thing. And these things may not have anything to do with each other except the surface similarity, which breaks down fairly quickly if you study the data carefully. For example, why is there no RB-47 equivalent to a... Uh, or I've got, got that backwards here. Why is it? Why in the abduction data there is no RB-47 case? Why is there in that data, those data, no really solid reason to believe this happened outside some kind of extraordinary experience which may not have taken place in consensus reality? But in the best radar visual cases, you have every reason to believe this happened in consensus reality. 
We we did have one. I think it was Kathleen Martin, right? Jean, who told us of an account where there were two people who uh, were abducted onto a craft and met each other and exchanged information. They had previously not known each other, and then after the abduction was over, they got in touch with each other. That's pretty amazing. Like, I don't know what was happening there, but there's something. Before your information, folks, that was Denise Stoner who wrote a book. Oh, sorry about With that. Kathleen okay. Martin, and that was no. the incident. Also, we had another guest, Tom Warner, an abductee on our show several weeks back who said the same thing. What's your perception of that? Two people, strangers, meet while they're being abducted, supposedly, and then catch up with each other after the episode. I apparently, not. And this is my fault, I've not made myself clear here. I'm not saying there's nothing to abductions. It's an extraordinarily strange experience, and it is not explained in current science. And it probably won't be explained by science for some time to come, because where abduction phenomena occur is a place that science isn't even looking. What science is looking at are what I call the core UFO phenomenon, which is the phenomenon of radar visuals, landing traces, C1s, cases like this where you can show that something was there and that something had an extraordinary technology. But it was a technology and recognizable as a technology and a technology that you could learn things about from studying instrumentally. That is not the case with abductions, what I call the high strangeness side of the equation. On the high strangeness side of the equation, you have experiences. On the other side, the core side, the central UFO phenomenon, you have events that you can document occurred in consensus reality. Now, with high strangeness enough, we got all kinds of stories and stuff about really, really strange things happen that are not explainable, but they're not provable. All you can do with it is say, this person had this really strange experience that's hard to explain conventionally. This person was sincere, this person was sane, and we can't explain this. But it's nothing that we're going to take into a laboratory. It is not happening in the way ordinary reality happens. And I think that Radar visual UFOs, strange as they are, are demonstrably occurring in consensus reality. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Like it's uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson always says, you know, if you're abducted, like you know, what, try and uh, you know, stash a, an ashtray or something from the ship because there it's is not like happen because it doesn't happen like that. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think it is then? Like, I mean, if, if we do have UFOs in a consensus reality and people are going on to these craft, then wouldn't that logically imply that people are going into a craft that is in a consensus reality? We don't know that they're going. They're having experiences. We don't know if these experiences are actual events. There's the event level of an anomaly, and there's... It's correlate in an experience anomaly. And one reason that we've made so little progress understanding these things is that we don't understand that there are two very different things happening under a broadly similar rubric. An abduction is merely a logical inference from a sighting of a daylight disk. 
The daylight disk you can track on radar. You can have multiple independent witnesses. Someone's story of going into a spaceship is just a story. doesn't mean it's not really strange. doesn't mean that it doesn't challenge science. doesn't mean that it defies explanation. It just means that somebody is telling an extraordinary story, which in the end is just an experience. That the part of the very nature of these things is, you know, experience and testimony, and that's it. Memory. Well, that's true with almost all UFO cases, except those where there is some kind of corroboration. Even a multi-witness sighting is still based on what people say they saw. Yes, that's true. But at the core of that, the core phenomenon, as far as science is concerned, as far as the extraterrestrial hypothesis is concerned, is hardcore evidential cases. We're going to break here with Gene, Jerry, Randall, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The Food and Drug Administration has granted an emergency use authorization to Johnson & Johnson's one-shot COVID vaccine, adding another vaccine to the efforts to fight the coronavirus. The federal government expects to be able to distribute 4 million doses next week, though supplies will be limited for a time. Dr. Esther Chu is a professor of emergency medicine at the Oregon Health and Science University and tells CNN that the convenience of a one-dose vaccine is a big benefit. So it doesn't need to be stored at these ultra-cold temperatures. It is a single dose. Um, it's been such a challenge to get even a single dose to many people. Signing up for a second one, keeping track of that, getting transportation is just a huge barrier for many Americans. And then, of course, in harder-to-reach places, uh, including rural America, it's just been a huge logistical challenge with the mRNA vaccine. So Johnson & Johnson provides a really important tool in our arsenal. This is USA Radio News. President Biden is defending his decision to launch airstrikes in Syria as part of the country's right to self-defense, even as some in his own party question his authority to do so. Biden told Congress Saturday in a letter that he'd ordered the strikes to defend U.S. personnel and allies in the area in response to an attack on Erbil International Airport two weeks ago. Congressman Brad Sherman agrees with the president over the legality of his move. The California Democrat tells Fox News that the strikes were the appropriate response. I think the vast majority of our caucus supports what President Biden did. First, as a legal matter, we did authorize the use of force in Iraq. I was there for that vote. Many were not. 
And uh, that authorization allows us, of course, to protect our forces. When you under-respond to an attack, when you fail to respond, you invite another attack. When we failed to sanction Russia for what it did to our elections, we ended up, by under-responding, with them targeting our soldiers in Afghanistan and putting bounties on their heads. This is USA Radio News. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So basically here we're dealing with two different things. We're looking at people seeing flying things in the sky or whatever that may be spaceships, then others who are undergoing other sorts of experiences that may be more internal. Is that a collective unconscious or what? What generates no, those no. experiences? No, no. I, I, no, no. The collective unconscious is, is not, I don't think that thing even exists. But what I'm talking about is a liminal experience that is somewhere between consensus reality and the imagination. Let me give you an, ex, an, an example of a liminal experience from my own family. My ex-wife, my ex-mother-in-law, and my oldest son had this experience along a lake in South Dakota about 12, 15 years ago. It was a calm, pleasant Saturday afternoon in the summer. My exes have had a cabin along that lake for a long time. They were sitting out in front of that cabin when they saw a large snake, a serpent, about 50 feet long, rise out of the water. And they watched it for about two minutes before it disappeared under the water. And it turned out that other people who live along this lake have have seen it, but talked to hardly anybody about it. Now, there's something there that people experience. There's something there that's very hard to believe exists there in a biological sense, but is experienceable. That is an experience anomaly. That's not an event anomaly. It's an experience anomaly. You're not going to find that serpent, but people will see it. They will experience it. And that's the nature of most extraordinary experiences. They're kind of liminal. They're sort of, they're neither here nor there in a way that's really hard for us to imagine. You can experience seeing a fairy, 
but you're never going to have a fairy body because fairies don't exist that way. Or other weirdness, Mothman, you know, you, you just go down the list. These are things that are eminently experienceable, but that's all they are. They neither exist nor not exist. Or maybe they're illusions. Well, I say it's imagination plus. Because an illusion, like say a holographic. No, this projection. was not in. But this right. this this serpent was not an illusion. You'd have to know the people who saw it. That's not an explanation. The viewing conditions were perfect. None of these people share my interest in weirdness, and they saw it, and I believe them. But I don't believe that it was a, a serpent in a biological sense. It was something they could experience. And the, the, the phantom quadruped that I saw 20 years ago is not a resident of consensus reality, but it's something that you can experience. I experienced it. My wife experienced it. This is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the event anomalies and experience anomalies. Experience anomalies are kind of liminal phenomena. They're there in some place that we don't have on our maps. Well, you know what I, what I find hard to comprehend uh, is the fact that a lot of these people or the majority of these people who have encounters, uh, humanoid uh, uh, encounters, I'm thinking of, uh, uh, and uh, in fact, I just did a book called The Alien Lives Matter. It's okay to be a gray, in which these are cases for the most part where uh, humans have attacked uh, aliens and aliens have seeked revenge on them. But there's this Vast volume of cases. Uh, in fact, uh, Albert uh, Rossales has a catalog of, uh, I don't know, 50,000 cases or something like that uh, involving humanoid encounters and sightings, a lot of them in foreign uh, countries where UFOs would not be uh, what they are here in the, the U.S. These people have never heard of uh, aliens or never thought about aliens, and yet they have these incredible uh, experiences where uh, they're out in the field one night, let's say, for example, and their tractor uh, stalls and they see a, an object. Maybe they converse with the uh, occupant. Uh, maybe they don't. There are a couple of cases where people have actually hit uh, aliens on the highway and the aliens bounce back up uh, in the air and, and uh, took off at uh, in incredible speed. And some of the people, I remember one case that's in the book where the aliens came back and haunted the couple in the car for many, many years after being struck by their automobile. I mean, there's something going on here that's more than just an illusionary uh, effect. Because yes, I completely agree with you, Tim, and I never said the word illusionary. This is not illusionary. These things happen. They're experienceable. You know, I know that perfectly well. I'm just trying to find yeah. some way yes, to, 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 to I, I, yeah. say the way they work is like this. You don't have to have heard of space aliens to experience the space alien. It doesn't work that way. It's, yeah, well, I'm I, I not talking maybe, about hallucinations. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm more interested in the offbeat encounters than I am the fact that uh, there might be a... Uh, uh, a stray uh, object coming here from uh, outer space because these these occupants for these uh, crafts just don't behave in a rational way. I, I mean, okay, we don't expect that they're going to exactly you know act like Buzz Aldrin did when he landed on the uh, the moon or uh, Gordon Cooper or or something, but they act in such a bizarre pattern 
but yet repeatable pattern uh, to a large degree that I think they're, they're worthy of uh, investigating. And we might learn uh, more uh, from the investigating of these uh, sightings and encounters than we will from uh, finding out if an object landed in Socorro, New Mexico or not, because the object might have landed there, but it isn't there now. And, well, and that, that, that's the thing about UFOs. It, it's always something that happened before, and we'll send the investigating team in uh, tomorrow or next week to look for it. Well, that doesn't do very much good because it just isn't there. <laughs> and I'm not turning that off. But uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's a big puzzle here and a big uh, mystery that encompasses many, many different uh, areas. And, and part of that would be what we would call the paranormal or uh, the occult, although that's maybe not a justifiable word to, to use because uh, in most cases it's not the black uh, magic, although some people apparently have managed to uh, summon up uh, spirits that could be uh, identified as uh, uh, aliens, uh, such as the case well, of Alex. We, 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 we live in a world where things that we experience can can experience seem almost infinite. But the experience is just the top of it. And beneath the top is some mystery that is I'm convinced deeper than even the strange surface appearance suggests. I think that when we're dealing with UFO reports, it's wise to start with what we do, what our knowledge allows us to begin to deal with, and that is UFO reports that are consistent with the extraterrestrial hypothesis because they suggest a technology. The, the UFO phenomena of, that you were talking about, these strange old guys that people run into in strange circumstances, you know, that's a different order of reality, and that is much farther beyond current science. Okay, so let's have a line of demarcation here. Jerry, let's have a line of demarcation then. So you're saying here that you see a UFO, fine. You see a UFO close-up, fine, but as soon as we start getting interactions with possible UFO entities, is that then becomes experiential as opposed to what we would regard as a, a normal reality of seeing something in the sky that's really there? When does it become internal? When yeah, does it become internal? Let's continue yeah, that, that in our next segment, okay, guys? And then we'll continue with one more segment. Where we're talking here on our 15th anniversary episode of the Paracast with some of my closest friends in the universe, Tim Beckley, Jerry Clark. We have Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. 
With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A dot com. So the complete website is ShopSuperTea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's ShopSuperTea.com at 818-984-6100. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. By the way, this is our final segment of our 15th anniversary episode, but Jerry Clark will hang with us for this weekend's episode of After the Paracast, which, of course, 
is available to subscribers of the Paracast Plus. Go to theparacast.plus for more info. We also give you a version of the show free of the network ads, the main show. And if you subscribe for five years or lifetime, we give you a coupon code for a free download of the phenomenon, the James Fox UFO documentary with three hours of extra material. But we have very few of those coupons left. It's a one-time coupon. So if you don't order right away, we're not going to be able to offer it anymore. Before we continue here, Tim, now obviously what Jerry has to say here, this line of demarcation, I want you to listen to his response here because we can have some very interesting interactions on this segment. So Jerry, as I was asking in our previous segment, where does it stop? Where do we say this is a real possible external phenomenon of a physical UFO, maybe an object from another planet? Or something we experience internally, maybe a product of our imaginations. Where's the separation, the appearance and interaction with entities? No, there is no line of demarcation. The only line of demarcation is when you have a radar visual, you have a CE2 with physical traces, when you have evidence that something happened in this world and that what happened in this world is really anomalous and speaks to the existence of somebody else's technology. That's really where you're certain that you're dealing with a physical reality. Now, I I really want to emphasize that I'm not talking about imagination. I'm not talking about illusions. or I I can't believe that I, I, I wish... I could communicate this more clearly. I've written about it extensively, and I think my writing is is lucid enough on the subject. What's going on beyond the CE2s and the radar visuals and cases like that is something that is really strange, and it's a lot stranger than just seeing physical little guys who could be from Mars or wherever. This is something that is really strange that exists in the world to be experienced, but not proved. And it really is way beyond current science. When I talk about experience anomalies, I'm talking quite radically. And you guys seem to think that I'm just trying to write this off as just people's imaginations. I have a question. How about a combination of the two? Let's take the Socorro case where uh, Lonnie Zamora sees an object that leaves impressions in the ground, burns the, uh, the rocks and the soil, but he also sees humanoids. Is there something perhaps about the UFO sighting that could have triggered some outside effect and the humanoids were not there in the, uh, the sense that the physical craft was? Now, you guys are the ones who said that I'm claiming that any report with a humanoid is in some sense imaginary. No, there are all kinds of really credible CE3s that don't even, relatively speaking, aren't even high strangeness cases. I'm talking about the real off-the-chart stuff, like interacting with aliens on a spaceship, encountering men in black, that kind of thing. I think that is separate. Uh, sorry to just jump in here, but I, kn- I know Tim's got to go after this, and and uh, I-, I want to try and, and get this in uh, before you are gone, Tim. And, and that is, I, I think I get what you're saying there, Jerry. Like, when I said illusion, I-, I didn't mean just, you know, a figment of people's imagination or anything like that, because in my mind where you were saying that these are causal events, there's something out there that we don't know what it is, it's beyond maybe our comprehension, 
but it's not us that's causing it. It is us interacting with it. And this kind of reminded me of, Tim, what you were saying with this uh, matrix control sort of reality shifting kind of thing that is going on or that you think might be going on and that some people might be think is going on. I mean, if you can control reality to the level of sort of a matrix-like event, then you could make anything really weird happen. It would be real in a sense, but not real the way that we normally think of it. Am I making any sense there, you guys? Well, yes, because reality may not be what we think reality is. Maybe we're all sitting here imagining this uh, great, uh, terrific uh, show that I'm on. That is really weird. I had actually... That would be a bummer. What a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) Am I sort of getting closer there, Jerry, to what you're, you're getting at? I mean, it's not simply a figment of our imagination that's generated by our brain. There's something else that is causal, that is external and objective, but it's projecting it. And this is kind of what I meant by an illusion is projecting this experience into our world for us to experience. But it's not the same kind of thing as planets and rocks and trees and and what we normally think of as our material world. It it may be an intelligence. It may just be a part of nature. This liminal realm in which you experience deeply strange stuff it's just part of nature. It's just a part of nature we don't understand. Or it could be that there's some intelligence controlling and we just don't know. And I don't think there's any way to know. But I think that if we're being visited by extraterrestrials with a technology, we can figure that out. I wonder here that if we finally have some kind of disclosure, okay, we're being visited by possible spaceships from other planets. So suddenly, where is that going to leave all the abductees who say we've interacted with them, the Chandlers? Are they going to try to glom on this or accept the possibility that you voice here that it's a separate phenomenon? I just assume that somebody who is abducted, who has an abduction experience, is a better way of putting it. That person believes reasonably enough that actual physical aliens dragged him into a spaceship. I would never argue with that person about that. I respect what they think about what happened to them. And yeah, they wouldn't naturally say, yeah, well, that proves what happened to me. But it may not be that simple. Well, you know, it's all what we gravitate uh, to. I mean, this is a um, an immensely big uh, field. And uh, some of us like apples and some of us like oranges and some of us like uh, uh, pitless peaches. Uh, and, and and I think you, you gravitate to what you're interested in or you... Uh, resonate with you know and and the uh, so-called scientific ufologists they're interested in the uh, hardcore uh, uh, sightings the radar reports but again an object can be seen in the sky visually by many people in a, a given area and not picked up on radar or it can be picked up on radar and not seen uh, visually so you've got so many different aspects of this i don't know you know, if, if I were the uh, the president and, uh, uh, you know, there was some sort of disclosure uh, and, and they asked me at a press conference, well, what do you know about UFOs? You know what I would tell people? Go out and buy a couple of books and come uh, up with your own decision. And I think it, uh, in this day and age in, uh, in which we uh, reside, that's what people have done. They've pretty much made up their mind as uh, what uh, UFOs uh, are. And there are going to be a lot of people, even if... Uh, uh, Biden went on TV and said uh, aliens are here and blah, blah, blah. They're going to think it's a hoax. 
You know what, Tim? There are people out there who don't believe Biden is even president, but I don't want to get into the politics of that. But we know where that's going. Uh, Jerry, you don't have a website where people can find what you do, right? No, I don't. I am far too modest to draw any more attention to myself than is necessary. (laughs) But you check on Amazon for his books, of course. Tim, very quickly, tell our listeners, if they want to get hold of you, where do they find you? You can just Google me, uh, we, uh, Tim Beckley, Timothy Green Beckley. I got a, an author's page on Amazon. We've got over 300 and uh, something books, not just by myself, but by other uh, uh, authors. The latest being Alien Lives Matter. It's okay to be gray. It's over 600 pages. It's not a coffee table book. It is the coffee table. Okay, so Tim's going to sell coffee tables too shaped like UFOs. I'm giving him an idea for merchandise. Speaking of merchandising, we do have Paracast branded merchandise that you can check out at theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop. Jerry Clark will return for After the Paracast this week. After the Paracast, an exclusive feature of the Paracast Plus. Go to theparacast.plus for more info. Theparacast.plus, we offer also this show with enhanced audio free of network ads. And if you subscribe for five years or a lifetime sub, we give you a coupon for free download to The Phenomenon, the James Fox UFO documentary with three hours of extra material. Not many coupons left. Check it out, theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. Tim Beckley, thanks for joining us on our 15th anniversary episode. Welcome. And Jerry, thank you. You will. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.